Turn in your Bibles to Acts, the 13th chapter. Acts, the 13th chapter. It seems like Christmas is just around the corner. And for the next uh, month or so, uh, people will be focused on family. They will be focused on uh, making memories. And church will be included in that. And uh, we need to be careful that we don't uh, discourage them from doing that. But we also need to be reminded that uh, people visit churches, often uh, because of the season of the year, uh, seeking for to receive something, to receive uh, a feeling that they've done the right thing. Maybe they might even be looking for some type of spiritual experience. And it may or may not happen. And so some people will walk away disappointed, and then uh, they uh, say, you know, spirit's just not in church like it used to be. And then uh, we who attend church on a regular basis, uh, we, we are eager for something to happen in our midst, and we keep praying that God somehow will bless us as a congregation and bring people to us and We'll watch the numbers begin to grow, and they don't. And we, we kind of sense, well, we're doing everything we know how to do. And then uh, from a pastor's standpoint, we have to remember that really it's up to God what happens in this congregation. But there is one way in which we can influence that. When our worship is pleasing to God, he then blesses. I'll say that again. It's very simple. When our worship pleases God, he then responds to us. You know, so the whole reason why we're gathered in his name, to use the title of the hymn that we just sang, is that we came here to bless him. And for many of us, uh, if we've been in church all our lives, how do you bless the Lord? Ah, good question. And when it says in scriptures that we minister to the Lord, how do we minister to him? That's what this sermon's about today. Uh, we need to stop right now and put our hearts towards God. And we need to speak to him. And that's what prayer is. And so will you bow with me as we speak to the Lord before our worship begins? Father, we are blessed that you look to us as your people. We are blessed that you opened our eyes to the reality that we needed to be here today to worship. Father, you opened our eyes to our need for salvation and we look to your Savior, Jesus, for salvation. For some of us that was recently perhaps. Some of us it was a distant memory. Father, we do love this place. We love the people that are here, but we have not gathered just for tradition. We have not gathered just to be among friends. We have actually gathered to worship you. And Father, I pray that what we say and what we do here is pleasing to you. I pray it redirects and it educates our mind and our conscience and our reality of what worship really is. Because it would be real easy to have walked out of this worship service today and not worshipped. It'd be 
real easy to walk out of this worship service and not having worshiped and then look for you, Father, to continue to bless us when we have not offered ourselves to you in worship. We, we were takers and not givers. Father, put our hearts and minds on what it means to actually worship today as we open up this passage of Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, on the front of your bulletin, there's, there's a picture. Uh, that picture, you see a silhouette of an audience that's really engaged. They've got hands lifted up. In fact, at the very center of that picture, you see one with his fingers pointed that way. How many of you thought that was a worship service? What if I told you that that was at a recent concert? That it was a silhouette of an audience engaged in what was going on on stage by a musical performance? What if I told you that silhouette actually came from an NC State football game? And the audience is cheering the fact that they've just hit the end zone. You'll say, it's not true. That's actually from a worship service somewhere, right? Maybe it's a, an evangelistic event. And, and there was a musical performance on the stage of a good praise and worship band or uh, a gospel music Performer, Maybe it was Sandy Patty hitting a high C. You know, and everybody was just excited and engaged. You don't know, do you? You know, for some people, that's the same sense in which they think the same enthusiasm they bring to a sporting event or their favorite team. Or to being really engaged in a musical performance that kind of lit your life up there for that hour that that would be worship. And then you come to a worship service in a small rural congregation like this and that enthusiasm is not present. I mean, it's kind of quiet. You can come to a worship service and go to sleep. Uh, you, you can come to a worship service and, and never say anything. And the most common experience, you can come to a worship service and not actually say anything to the Lord. And yet we call it worship. And we wonder why worship services become an order of worship in a bulletin. This happens at this time. That happens at that time. And just about the only originality to some worship services is the fact that the preacher prepared a sermon for that particular service that he may never ever visit that text again in your lifetime may not use the same illustration, so that is the unique portion of a worship service. Everything else is pretty scripted. Yet, we all know that worship has to be spontaneous. It has to be personal. There has to be some of you involved in worship. There has to be some enthusiasm. There has to be some commitment. And so if you walk away and you never engaged emotionally, you, you never committed anything, you, you never listened, you were never in awe, you haven't worshipped, you've just been to a rural congregation's worship service to meet the familiarity of people you love and you appreciate, the hymns that you've been around all your life. The main idea of this text this Sunday is 
back in the book of Acts, it was all new. It was all fresh. It was all personal. And it included a commitment. You see, there was no Southern Baptist Convention back then. There was not Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian holiness. There was none of that. It was just the idea they had had an encounter with the Lord. Now they are responding to the Lord. They are gathering on the first day of the week, which is what day? Sunday. Uh, They had been Sabbath worshipers Friday at sunset till Saturday. But these Christians gathered for an extracurricular attendance to a special group that had their eyes open to a new level, which was on Sunday, the first day of the week. You know, for many people, worship service on Sunday is there's ain't nothing else going on anyway. But in that particular way, that was the first work day. It was the first opportunity to leave the restrictions of the Sabbath day and enter into a new week. Here's what it says in Acts, the 13th chapter. Verses 1 and 3, this is said about a worship service in this first century church. Now, in the church, which means the ecclesia, the called out ones, a group of people, not a building, there is no building. Not in the pews, there were no pews. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the patriarch, and Saul. Then notice what it says in verse 2. It's highlighted in your bulletin, just to make sure that you see it, that you can't dismiss it. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, notice when it happens, after they ministered to the Lord, After they fasted, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. You know what that worship service is? The thing that happened immediately after worship, there was a business session. We had one of those tonight. A business session. A decision was made, and it was not by secret ballot. It wasn't by a democratic process. It went for no committees. They came, and because their worship was sincere, because their worship included the idea that God, this expectation he needs to speak to us, the Holy Spirit granted it and told them specifically what to do. And they responded by doing specifically what he said do. And the church moves forward. And you should be grateful because of Saul, because when Saul leaves, the Gentiles are impacted. Non-Jewish people. The church grows by great lengths. It was the result of a worship service where the people actually could hear. There was no tenderness. There was no second-guessing. There was no committee work. It was God has spoken. And we know it's Him. And so we respond. The main idea is there's a whole lot of people who are fans of the church. 
Fans want fulfillment from church. Uh, that's why sometimes people change churches. One church is not doing it for them anymore. So they're going somewhere where they can have their need met. They will feel more fulfilled. So fans want fulfillment from the church, but we don't need any fans. We need worshipers because worshipers receive insight into our destiny. We see ourselves in Scripture. We see our church in the economy of what God's doing in Williamston. We see the need that is around us and we see ourselves as a solution to it. It changes our perspective. You come to church to have your blind eyes opened. Because you come and say, Lord, open our eyes. We hear from the Lord because we go with deafness and we say, Lord, open our ears. And we hear him speak. You see, worship just kind of opens the spiritual senses of those who participate because we bring our hearts to worship. Now, it's not just worshiping by reading the Bible. It is singing. It is praising. It is offering ourselves to the Lord. That sounds theoretical. That sounds philosophical. That sounds like the perfect ideal. But you know nobody does it. Well, if nobody does it, God doesn't speak. He doesn't reveal. We become clueless as to what we're supposed to be doing. We become completely blind to our own spiritual conditions. We, we feel no compassion for the people around us. If our worship's dead, if it's not alive, if it's not personal, if our heart is not in it. You see, there are non-Christians who attend worship service, right? I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. There are some immature Christians who attend worship service. I, I sure hope so. But there should be a difference between somebody who's spirit-filled and expectant of the Lord, that when they go to the worship service, there is a difference in how they worship. Are they just sitting like a bump on the log in the seats? Unengaged? There's something that goes on in the life of a family. Where you say, what did you think of the service today? I don't know. Did you get anything out of the sermon today? Oh, I, I don't know. Preacher sure was excited about it. He's good. Tells great jokes. I like his voice. I've heard that. But did God say anything today? It's like the invitation at the end of a worship service. It's like people are going, well, I've already been saved. I'm already a member of the church. It's not me that needs to respond today. There should be a difference in how we respond than an unsaved person. There are pseudo, and I use that word clearly, there are pseudo-worship services going on all over town. There are pseudo-worship services going on all over eastern North Carolina. There are some that are more popular than the ones that we're having here today. 
But the capacity and the potential for a genuine worship service is just as much alive here as it is anywhere in this town or this county or this state. You see, when we gather, the Lord shows up, but he's waiting on you to respond to him. If you go and you look for a definition of worship, it says undaunting homage through great inconvenience and expense for an extended time to cheer on that which you hold in high value. Guess what? If you go to a rock concert, have you seen what the tickets cost for country music shows and rock shows? They're expensive. So the one reason why these people are so excited, they paid a lot of money to be there. They bought the records. They have invested. There's an image in their head. So when the star steps out on the stage, there's this excitement. Finally, I said that myself. You know how much money we paid to be here? Oh, man. You better be excited they're here. If you bought a football ticket, I, I bought a ticket to see the Carolina Panthers. They lost. I felt like I was cheap. Most people come to church the way I attend a concert or the way I attend a football game. It's all about minister to me. Make it worth the price of admission. That's not worship. There's a difference between being a fan and being a worshiper. There's a difference. A fan's looking to the idea you better win, you better sing your hits, you better give me something to remember and to cheer about. A worshiper's saying, Lord, I am here. What do I do for you? Speak to me. Make yourself real to me. I'm ready. first point is this very clear point but one I want you to understand is profound after you worship say that with me after you worship the Lord responds to you last night we went to Raleigh one of those rare occasions somebody in retail Anita had off Figured it'd probably be one of the last days on the weekend. Anyway, she'll have also. We went to Raleigh. Went to the mall, saw all that. Then we went to a place called Maggio's. Is that the name of it? Maggiano's. Got to say it with emphasis. Nice restaurant. The wait staff have black on, white, white shirts, hair perfectly fit and styled. And they come in. And their goal is to wait on you. They are there to make sure that you've got what beverage you want, what drink you want, what dipping sauces, dresses. I mean, they, they are there to meet your need. But what are they trying to get? A tip. And guess what? You make a decision at the end of the evening when they present a bill. There's that moment when you look at what the bill is and you go, what do we want to leave for a tip? And it's going to be based on what? Service. 
What if the waiter or waitress said, I waited on you. Is that all you're going to leave? Then you comment, well, that's about what it was worth. Actually, I had dinner with somebody one night a long time ago. They left a penny for a tip. I'd never do that. But the waiter didn't deserve much more than that. Think of the worship service we're having today. Is God's not the waiter? You are. He's here for you to meet his need. And if you're attentive, if you're available, if your head's in the game, your heart's in the game, he then blesses you out of his abundance. Now, I have not abused the scripture with that analogy. I've actually told it in a very simple way exactly what's going on every Sunday when we come here. We want God's blessings, but it's based on your heart, your commitment, your eagerness, your hunger, your thirst. That's what will determine if God pours out his blessings. It was true in the Old Testament with Israel. They wanted his blessings and they sure were doing the worship thing. But he knew their hearts. God was waiting on your arrival this morning. He was waiting to see what you were going to do here this morning. How you were going to respond, what you might say, whether the lyrics you were singing you really meant, whether you had any personal communication with him during the entire worship service, or did you come and just be like the person who's unsaved? You came to be a spectator. Number two, worship is not a Sunday event. It's not a Sunday event. If you missed this Sunday, you say, well, I missed worship service last week. I'll try to catch it next week. If something other happens next week, you say, well, I'll try to go because I haven't been all month. I need to go to worship service. I need it. Wrong statement. Goes against the grain of what's here. And if you're not worshiping in your personal life, you won't worship when you get here. Amen. You're looking for a cheerleader called a pastor and a group of musicians to somehow put you in the mood that you feel some sort of emotional response. You're hoping something happens. There's a reason why we, we put music in front of a, a, a sermon. We're hoping to put people's minds and their hearts in the right frame of mind in order to be able to worship. No song's going to do that. Worship is not a Sunday event. If that's true, then we become event Christians who experience a seven-day gap from the last time we heard from the Lord. There is one 
similar resemblance to a fan, a football fan that does make a lot of sense. You can tell a real football fan. As soon as the game is over, they're already on the internet looking at statistics. They're already looking ahead to the schedule next week to see what it is that uh, they need to do. They're looking to do the Monday morning quarterback thing. They, they're already guessing. They join a website say, when they go to work at the cooler, a true football fan. He knows there's another football fan present. They talk about football. We don't even see that in Christianity, do we? In fact, you actually hear a difference in the content of our conversation as soon as the benediction is said. It's out of mind, out of place. It doesn't come up at Sunday lunch. It doesn't come up Sunday afternoon. It certainly doesn't come up Monday. Worship. Frame of mind. Passion. Commitment. Hearing from God. Worship is a lifestyle, win or lose. Number three, worship is serving and receiving instruction. Worship is responding to God with all that I am to all that he is. So when you are silent and not responsive, you're not a worshiper. This is a hard sermon. It's hard for me. I, I know it has to be hard for you receiving it. I mean, already you're doing something perhaps that you haven't done in a while in a worship service is you're thinking about you. Am I worshiping? You ever notice that football fans are animated? When was the last time you went to a worship service that had any kind of animation in it? Any kind of response? Any kind of eagerness? Any kind of spontaneity? We are receiving doctrine when we read the Bible. We are receiving doctrine and yet we respond with no passion. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. There's a couple of instances back in the Old Testament where the Word of God had become put away. In fact, they didn't even have copies of it in their own homes, by the way. But there's one particular situation where the children of Israel are standing out in the rain for hours listening to the reading of God's Word. And they're weeping and crying. That seems like, that's in the Bible. That doesn't happen in real life, does it? The last point is this. When you worship, you don't need any advice from the world. Let me explain what I mean. Most of us are taking advice from the world and trying to figure out how to incorporate it into the life of a Christian. When you worship, you don't need any advice from the world. You know, fans are busy. You can turn on the radio and you can hear 
uh, sports radio and you hear all these people have advice to the coach. Guess what? The coach don't care about your advice. The players out there actually playing the game, they, they don't care about you as a fan, about how you think they should do their job. Because, let me tell you this, this might be more sports information than you want, but there's an NFL playbook that runs the game. There, there's not only a playbook or rule book, there's something called an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator who are up in the booths, high above the game with headsets on, talking to the coaches down on the field, and they see what's happening on the field, and they are calling orders down, and the players know the playbooks, and they're given the play in which to pull. That's why the coach is important. Christianity is not an individual game. It's, it's not a matter of making the best decision on the field. It's a matter of following through with what you've been told to do. Do you think of your faith that way? I mean, you've only known me since May. Some of you a little bit longer. Why do you want to follow my direction? Why do you want to fall behind me and say, you know, we're going to do whatever you call us to do? Well, that's the way it works. If God has called me and put me in place. But you've been walking with the Lord for a while, right? Before I ever got here. And, and the idea here is God has a plan for Redditch Grove Baptist Church. And it's not a matter I come and devise one. It's a matter you already had one. And so what I'm praying for is God reveal it to me so I can lead. And what you are doing as a congregation, you say, God, reveal it to us so that we recognize that when Pastor David says it, that is you speaking. That's been the plan all along. That's what's going on here. You know, when we make decisions as a congregation, it's going to be bathed in prayer. It's not going to be based on the experience in the audience or the financial resources in the audience. It's going to be because God said, this is what we need to do. It's just like tonight when we have this business meeting, is it going to be bathed in prayer or is it going to be something less than a worship service? But yet that's what we say is happening at, at, a, at a business meeting. We are managing God's ministry for him, that he has directed our paths and this is what he said to us. Could it be based on the worship service we had at 11 o'clock? What happens tonight at 6 o'clock? My people perish because they have no what? Vision. They're not doing what I called them to do because they haven't heard it. It wasn't a matter you wouldn't speak it. It was a matter that the worship didn't please you. Your off-field preparation in sports is what makes the difference on the field. Learning how to be together as a team. You don't need the world to guide you. 
The fans just create the excitement for television, for the excitement for the other fans. You got to get your guidance from above. Go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verses one through eight. What I'm about to read you is not drama. It's it's not prose. It's not sounding big because it's inside the holy word of God. This is an accounting of what actually happened to the prophet Isaiah. Keeping in mind all the things that we have just talked about, when you are obedient, God speaks. Here's what it says in Isaiah the 6th chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sins purged. Verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. I want to remind you, Isaiah was a prophet. place of spiritual decadence and disobedience. His ministry had been built on one of proclaiming God is mad. God is angry. God is not going to allow you to get away with this. There's a pending bondage that's coming. God is going to judge this nation. But when he was in a worship service, who did he recognize needed spiritual attention? himself. Woe is me. I am undone. I am wicked. God then sends an angel. Take some tongs from the altar and says, here, put this on your lips. You know, Isaiah probably thought his mouth was actually his best asset. After all, he's a prophet. He says, my lips are unclean. He says, touched it. You're forgiven. 
Then he said, look, I now can see. I can see around me so many opportunities. I can see around me the glory of God. I now have a clear vision. Then God said, who should I send? Send me. Have you ever spent time on a nominating committee? It's hard to get people to do anything. Feels like nobody really appreciates it. You're fresh out of ideas. Some Sundays you show up and you wonder what happened. Average tenure of a pastor is three years now in the Southern Baptist Convention. Because people burn out. They, they come with their bag of tricks, try to create some excitement, and then they see their total impact on the church is not much change. Isaiah has this experience with the Lord coming from a worship service, and he sees himself differently, and he has a clear idea of what he needs to do. And he's willing to answer. God can take what is messed up in your life and he can use you. I want you to see there's repentance taking place and an assignment happen all inside of one worship service. There's no probation offered. There's no extended time of praying what it is that God may have me do. It came instantaneously. There is no debate. There's clarity. That's what we come to worship for. Clarity. God speak to me. When you worship, God will give you victory on the field. Victory on the field. When we begin to worship as a congregation, when it uh, has a different spirit about it, when you are actually involved and not just mimicking the person beside you or withholding yourself because of the person beside you, when you actually come and you realize you're in the presence of God and something about you has to get involved in worship. When, when you become aware of your sins during the preaching, you actually respond, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. When, when actually there's a, something spoken in such a way that says, this is a need, you actually say, here am I, send me. When that begins to happen at this congregation, yeah, you know there's another passage, one of my favorite in the book of Acts. God added to their numbers as he saw fit. That's it. The, the report card, the great card, on the worship service should not be given to the pastor this Sunday. Uh, it shouldn't be given to the spiritual leadership of the church. It's on you. How was the worship service today? You know, my heart was actually involved. I actually had a little bit of me in my worship today. 